Hi, I'm Mike Abramowitz. I'm the co-founder of Braidit, braidit.com. Uh, feel free to follow us as Braidit app anywhere. That's Instagram, TikTok, wherever you would like. And you're watching and listening to Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. We are joined today by a very talented entrepreneur, as well as CEO, as well as founder of an amazing new communication platform for creators and business people alike called Bright. We're joined by the ever-talented Mike. Abramowitz. Yeah, it's a long one, but uh, <laughs> extra points for getting it right. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. For those that don't know anything about yourself as a creative person, tell us who you are and what you're bringing to Two Geeks Talking today. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you summed it up well when you said entrepreneur. I've built a career building a lot of different technology products. My first company out of college was like a dev shop where we partnered with people who had ideas and provided the implementation of it and basically discounted development fees to take like equity stakes or revenue share agreements in the venture. And as a result of that, kind of got to explore what it's like to be part of a lot of different early stage companies and build technology for a lot of different early stage companies, experience a lot of different failure and success. On the whole, sort of addicted to the new venture process, love bringing new ideas to life, love bringing new products to life. And if there's like one thing about me professionally, that's it. like outside of work. It's just family, just a family guy. I got two young kids, a wife, any extra time I get goes towards them. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's rare to have the work-life balance actually balanced these days. I wouldn't say it's balanced, <laughs> but it's, I certainly, uh, that's where I get my uh, joy from outside of like professional stuff. Whatever I got to give, I give it there. Yeah. We have a lot of questions. We have a demo as well to go into with Braid because this is wonderful to see. This is something I haven't seen before really to this level. There have been wonderful social media platforms out there, but to be interactive and to be engaging with a community is always important to have. What inspired you to create Braid and what problem were you hoping to solve in the market? Braid came about when we were, I was CTO at another startup. We were trying to take it to market during the COVID lockdowns. And we saw interview style content, sort of clipped podcast style content as a, as a mechanism to do it. But when we set out to create that type of content, we actually had a really tough time and doing it in the scale necessary to fill a content calendar when you're not like a full-time creator was really, really difficult. So acknowledging the importance and the value of that type of content, plus the difficulty in actually creating it and creating it featuring a whole lot of different people, that was sort of the friction we experienced. Me and my partner had the idea of, okay, what if you could create this sort of asynchronously? What if you could create a topic, send it out and have people respond to it, use that to kind of create content collaboratively. And from there, be able to export the clips that you think are going to drive the most results on social media and in your marketing, et cetera. And that was the initial idea. Went through kind of a long journey, getting the product to where it is now in its current form. When we first started, we had the idea to launch this actually as a social media product where it was basically take that protocol of short video communication and have people actually create TikTok style content, like wiping through short conversations. And that product started 
as just short 15 second video responses between like you and as an interview and me a guest that evolved into open dialogues, which was you could create a prompt and anyone who had the app could respond to it. And then once we were alive with that, we had businesses asking us like, hey, I want nothing to do with a new social product, but this would really, really help us in our content creation, like to get our executives on camera, get our clients on camera, just create the, the sheer volume of video content we want and need. We were getting an increasing number of requests for that. And at the same time, seeing like social products uh, is a really, really big uphill battle to get to the point where it could be monetized. It takes a ton of venture capital money. That was that was at the exact moment that the venture capital world kind of collapsed. And so we had like two paths. Do we just keep kind of driving forward or do we actually acknowledge what this feedback we're receiving is from people that there is something to what we've created that creates a lot of value for them in a closed environment, not as a social product. We actually made that change around last year, around last summertime, and then started just rebuilding the whole thing around that, testing it, working with a lot of podcasters and creators to get it actually right and creating value for people, off and running with it and just making improvements to it kind of every day based upon what people are telling us they they want and need. It's amazing how companies actually listening to their guests and the people that use their product. A lot of, say, video game companies could take note of what you're doing here and you know, provide value to towards their fans. But I'm glad that you're you're actively engaging in feedback and using the feedback to make your product better. That's wonderful to see. Oh yeah, that's like core to I learned that really early. That was one of the main things about that first business is we worked with so many different early stage companies. And the one of the things that I saw people got into a lot of trouble with is when the founder or the founding team were so adamant about their take on what the product should be that they ignored sort of what people actually wanted or what the majority of people actually wanted. You got to kind of show up and be like water and be willing to take the shape of whatever that feedback is and, you know, let that feedback be the cop, right? That's a Bruce Lee quote, <laughs> but very, very poignant for product development. Yeah, it works. And it's great for the life cycle as well, too. It keeps you going. Yeah, for sure. Let's dive into some product features here because I think that's really important. Braid allows users to source, record, edit, and publish videos seamlessly. Can you highlight one or two unique features of Braid that sets itself apart from other video editing tools? Yeah, for sure. Philosophically, we want to help organizations create content that's featuring their team, featuring their clients, featuring other thought experts easily in a way that they've got enough content to fill up their whole content calendar, right? The main differentiator between what we do and sort of normal content creation is in that sourcing process. So we like to call it crowdsourcing content. But with Braid, you basically create a prompt, which is a topic or a question. Each prompt gets a link or QR code. And that link or QR code can be sent to whomever you'd like to collect responses from. And when they get that link, when it's convenient for them, they can take their time think through what they want to say, do a couple takes and respond back. And from there, you get a catalog of content you can pull from, combine, edit and publish in a lot of different ways. First of all, that sourcing of content is pretty unique to us. The ability to just use a link, have people launch into a recording experience where they see the prompt. And then you as a creator to be able to work with those individual responses to either trim, combine, 
uh, add your brand identity, sort of everything you would want to do all from the same product, basically streamlines the entire workflow for you. That's the hardest part about editing in general is you have, you either have so much content or too much content, and it's hard to filter through that to focus on the exact shorts you want to do, or you try to do a short and you get no engagement or no response because maybe the taglines or the hashtags or the title just isn't drawing people's interest in. I'm glad there's a, a targeted approach here. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like um, each braid is a container, right? And each response is sort of something that you can use to combine and edit and publish in a lot of different ways. Walk me through the typical process of creating content on Braid. Yeah, I think the first thing is to just think through, okay, what who do you want to collect content from and what do you want them talking about, right? And that kind of happens outside of the product. We are working on some sort of AI stuff that'll take you know, AI takes all the thinking out of everything out of, out of your head based upon your industry and whatever, what, what you should be asking people, but think through what do you want to ask? Who do you want to ask it from? Then you just create this braid prompt. You can include a video greeting as well. So it'll be literally you saying, Hey everyone, this is what I'd like you to tell me. And here's how I'd like you to respond. Once you have that prompt, it's really easy to collect these responses. People will put the link in an email. They'll put it on their social media at live events. We've got people who love using this at their trade show booth. They'll put a QR code up and they'll say, tell us a big problem you're having as an organization or tell us what you loved about the demo you just received in our booth. And then people can respond and you've got then marketing content, but then you've also got some context for outreach from your sales team. So they've got your contact information plus a short video about what you found most compelling as a prospect about their particular product or service that they're demoing to you. That has been like a real, we didn't build it for that actually, but that's been something, again, people told us that they really loved and we put more effort into. And then, yeah, once you've got this content, sky's the limit, you know, like publishing directly, using more video on channels like LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, we make that really easy to do. I mean, this blends into customer testimonials and, and user testimonials, because while you have people engaging with this, either, like you said, at booths or, or directly through other people that are currently using the product itself, what have been some of your actual user and, and creators and business testimonials based on their engagement, not only from when they started using it to maybe their current use now? Basically, we open up some new opportunities for people to create content that was sort of out of reach or cost prohibitive before. Like if you had to bring a video production crew to every one of these events, or if you had to bring a video production crew to source content remotely, if you've got a distributed work team and you want to feature the team on camera, like bringing a video production crew anywhere doesn't even make sense. So how do you actually get them creating content collaboratively when everything's kind of all over the place? A lot of the feedback we've received has just been like, wow, that was amazing to be able to just get this type of raw content from our audience or from our participants. We've seen that used as B-roll and high gloss advertisements for in the entertainment space and podcasting. It's like, oh my gosh, I can see my audience. And we saw some really cool stuff with that. We had a New York Giants podcast that we worked with really early on and they put this prompt out just on Twitter got like, you know, maybe 30, 40 of their fans to respond. And it's just like cross section of the tri-state area. You got like a pizzeria owner, a cop, yeah. like all, all big New York Giants fans yeah. talking about the game. And getting that type of content is 
pretty incredible. And just being able to push that stuff to YouTube, include your audience in the content creation experience, make them feel more part of it. It's a pretty special thing to be able to do. Well, the fact that everything is video these days really makes things so much more accessible from a video standpoint, but also from an audio standpoint as well. The fact that you can extract your audio content, throw it into a podcast as B-roll or as a lead into, say, a short or whatever is great to see, especially from an accessibility aspect. Being that it's a powerful medium, being that this media and Braid as well is, is a powerful platform, how do you see Braid? helping businesses businesses and creators leverage video content? And what advantages does video have over, say, other forms of communication? For businesses and creators, I mean, what video content allows you to do is actually you know, put your actual face out there, right? For like a business, like professional services organizations where people are the product, law firms, consulting firms, et cetera, it goes a long way towards helping your existing clients feel connected to you so that you're top of mind with the new engagement comes up or new prospects to become aware of you. Like if you're on camera talking about things that are thought leadership subjects, stuff that you and your team know best, and you push that content to LinkedIn and somebody's scrolling, now they're not just reading some text posts. They're actually seeing the team, hearing them, how they talk about a particular topic, they're passionate about a particular topic. It just goes a longer way towards building that connection and deepening that awareness. And I think as like these chat GPTs start to ramp up, the value of that authenticity, the ability to put your face on camera goes a lot further than just pumping out text content that now has this kind of asterisk next to it. Did this take more than just like a chat GPT prompt for you to write? Or did you actually kind of think through what you want to say? I think increasingly text content alone is going to have a diminishing value. I don't have a dog in the fight. It's just the real reality of what the actual lift is to just generate a huge volume of text-based content. It's just gone down to basically zero, right? And so now if you want to actually create content that resonates with your audience, I think video has to play an increasing role with that. And that's kind of where the product can create a lot of value. We help you get that video content. We can really put you in a position to do it that you weren't before. But even nowadays with how you can have deep fakes with video, now you have deep fakes with audio faceless videos. I'm glad that at least, well, it seems to be flooding more and more these days where you get that same robotic style voice that prompts you as you're scrolling, doom scrolling at 3 a.m. But I'm glad that Braid is at least taking a step in that direction where you're you're still fostering that human connection that is necessary for for hosts like myself and for creators and for businesses to reach the people they they want to reach. And who knows what the next great question is going to be to spark the next great debate. Exactly. Yeah, I think all of those AI, I think in text, it's great. But then when you start to see the AI generated video and AI generated audio, I think when a lot of people encounter that content, it starts to feel scary. When we were building this product, a lot of that tool chain, you know, it's available to us. And we're like, do we actually, it, the lift to implement it from for us is, it's not that high anymore. Like we can actually introduce those features into the product. And we just made a strategic decision not to, because it's like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, why do you, who, who actually wants this other than the fact that you can't, just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should and doesn't mean it's going to create any real value for you. Like I said, we want to help creators and organizations 
create content that's going to actually move the needle for them. Having them pump out AI-generated robotic content, I don't think will, personally. Well, luckily, there are Google, YouTube, and uh, those types of platforms are slowly cracking down on it. I, I still don't think it's fast enough, but at least they're stopping the monetization of this style of content which is nice to see, or at least they're slowing it down, I should say. This engagement that we're, we're struggling to get, that we're reaching out to people, we're trying to get the masses to be engaging with our own content. And with Braid, I, like, I, I love the user uh, testimonials that I've read through your website. I love the fact that we had a quick demo. Just seeing what you could do with it just actively started getting me thinking about, well, how can I take the show to the next level? How can I reach the people that I actually want to reach? And I'm glad that there's at least this platform. So, you know, this has been a, a wonderful conversation so far. No, yeah, I think for, it's kind of funny with podcasting because when we actually started this product, like we sat in a room and we're like, who are we going to reach out to first? Like who, Who's going to give us the best product feedback? And we were like, well, this is kind of an interview product, right? Like who actually creates the most interviews? Who's going to be that we can actually get in front of that's going to give us real product feedback and be willing to work with us. And we arrived at the conclusion that it was podcasters. So we spent really about the first year and a half of this business just reaching out to podcasters having them try the product, even like in a, in when we were a social app, it was the same thing. Just tell us what is going to add value for you, what features here help you, what features don't, what's this look like? And so podcasters really did shape a lot of this. And the main use case we see for podcasters is like unique audience engagement, right? Bringing them into the content in a way that they just previously couldn't. And then including them on video to the extent that video starts to get popular, more popular in podcasting becomes really powerful. And to your point, like just stripping the audio off and including the audio as well. Yeah. I switched to video in 2010. So when, when YouTube was just getting started, I consciously switched to video because I was just burnt out with audio. I was burnt out with, I needed something different to keep myself engaged in my own content with people <laughs> I was talking with. So, so this is just that, that next step. This is, this is so amazing to see. And the fact that it's also available on, you know, your, your mobile devices, like that's huge right there, because if we're not sitting in front of a computer, we want to be engaging in some way, shape or form. So, Hey, here, here's our, here's our next step. Yeah, for sure. The mobile app we had was actually what we built first, and that was a social product. And we put like so much effort into building the user experience because it was like a consumer social product that if you were building like an enterprise creator tool, you would never make the mobile app that good, really. You know what I mean? It would just kind of be like an afterthought. So yeah, we actually, our mobile app um, that accompanies this whole thing, we had to redo that to work with the new kind of workflow as a as a SaaS product. And we actually are going to be relaunching that next month. That will be available publicly to everyone. But if you want to participate in like a pre-beta, just reach out and we can get you get you access. What's the most misunderstood aspect about being an entrepreneur, especially with Braid, that people who don't follow entrepreneurs misunderstand? I think entrepreneurship, I'll just say if you're good, it, it's a difficult path, right? It just is. And I think when people think about it, there's such a survivor bias and success bias because you see the success stories and nobody talks about 
a lot of what it took to get there, a lot of the failures that happened along the way, and just how difficult of a road it really, really is. I don't say that for anyone to be like, oh, like whatever. But I think for us, like we've certainly experienced those ups and downs. We've experienced like massive changes in macro climates for tech and whatever. The ability to keep going through all that hardship, whatever, for me, just comes from conversations with our customers or conversations with prospects where they see what we've been putting all this effort into and are like, wow, this is pretty awesome. Or wow, this could really, really help me. Or like, I'm loving using this tool. That's what keeps you going. So if, if you're aspiring to be an entrepreneur, I would just say, no, the journey is not going to be easy. And if you're looking for a reason to keep going, like make sure you're actively engaged with your customers and prospects in all stages. Just So you're actually, one, hearing the things that aren't working, but two, getting those moments where they're like, well, what you're doing is actually special what you're doing is actually cool. That little bit's going to give you the fuel to keep going. What's a user case that's kind of special to you? A story that that keeps you inspired and to keep going with the future of Braid? We worked with a nonprofit, which was pretty special. Regardless of your opinions of what's going on in the Middle East right now, they were basically a humanitarian organization, was benefiting people that were struggling with the consequences of what was going on in Israel and Palestine right now, right? So basically to actually create some sort of demo reel of where the donations were going, they used Braid to source content that came sort of directly from the front lines of Gaza. And they had, you know, soldiers responding. They had people who had uh, just sort of received the benefits from the charity responding. And they used that to create a combined video that they played at a, at a donor dinner and the donors were completely moved by it because they could see firsthand from the beneficiaries how they were able to help them. Watching that whole process unfold was pretty pretty impactful to me and pretty special to me. It also got to use some of our our new like translation features, which are pretty amazing and AI driven. So they were recording native content in like Hebrew and Spanish and able to generate captions in English so the audience could understand it. And yeah, that really stood out for me as as one of those moments that was like, what we're doing is actually pretty cool because how else were they going to do this? Like it, it would have been a whole crazy operation. And in our product, they could just like, hey, tell us how we helped. And then people responded and they got the content and they published the clip and boom, that's it. Being able to edit your videos is always important. And I, I like the fact that you said, you know, think before we speak and then post the content. I think that's something that, a lot of people don't do these days is thinking before they act. They're just so used to instantly posting something without a filter. Yeah, <laughs> As good and as bad as that can be. Yeah. If you think before you speak, you're able to put out a, a more point needed point and content for the masses. From an editing, editing perspective, Braid does come with a built-in video editor. Can you share some details on the editing capabilities and how users can customize their videos to match their brand identity? Yeah, so it has a full video editor, full video editing capabilities baked into it that you can edit individual responses or combined responses to make longer clips. That's got everything you could really expect and want out of a video editor. The brand assets is something unique to us so that you can kind of preload a lot of your brand identity, like logos, pre-roll videos, end-roll videos, if you have a, an audio logo or something like that. And you can 
have those quickly available to you in the video editor so that as clips, as you're making clips, you don't have to kind of go fumbling around looking for them. They're just front and center for you. And that's a nice feature that we've got. Our goal actually for next year with the product is to try to keep people out of the editor. Meaning like when they respond to stuff, we deliver like at least two formats of each response. One that's just the raw response. You can do whatever you like with it. And another that's already kind of pre-edited in a standard template that you like ready to go. So it's got the captions the way you like them, maybe a logo in the top left corner and like a Chevron of, of who's speaking or something like that. Yeah, that's our goal for the next year is to basically keep people out of the editor. So we're doing a lot of that work for them and increasingly use a lot of these AI tooling to basically make it so that anyone can create sort of high quality video assets without even having to open a video editor. Because as robust as our video editor is, the fact that it's that robust sort of scares a lot of people off, right? Keeping people out of it and just getting them the raw asset they want and simplifying it is that's, we want to make people's lives better. Just give me what I need. I've got these responses. I've got a little clip. Boom. That's it. We just help in a big way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, Short and simple. Exactly. Yeah. As a founder, what exciting developments or features can users look forward to in the future of Braid? And are there any upcoming milestones or expansions on the horizon? Yeah, so we have a lot that we are about to release that we're really excited about. So in the nearest term, what we're going to be releasing is really powerful translation capabilities on the captions. And I was just testing this with someone this morning. They recorded a response in Danish and I wanted to have the captions in English, right? Within the product, you can just have the captions automatically translated into whatever language you want. They get captioned natively to the language that's detected by our AI. Another near-term feature that people have requested is the ability for Braid to send reminders Seems like a simple thing, but people, when they send these prompts out, you know, everyone's so busy and they don't want to send a million follow-ups asking people to respond. What the new feature allows you to do is have the system send off a reminder every uh, day or so until due date or a response is received. But looking like longer term at the roadmap, where we're focused at is using video content as the backbone for the creation of derivative assets and using AI as a mechanism to achieve that. So for every response that comes in, if you wanted to pick like two or three responses to a prompt, you can create a video clip, but you can also create like a blog copy and image assets to accompany it. So basically be able to run sort of a full content strategy video first using Braid. And that's where we're focused a lot of our development efforts for the coming year. So this basically becomes kind of one-stop shop for sourcing the content, creating all the derivative assets, scheduling them to be published to your social, and then running your full kind of content program directly from here in a way that's a lot cheaper, easier, and able to feature perspectives that you couldn't get otherwise. Yeah, That's the hardest part about scheduling content. You feel like you're there's never one-stop shop for all of the socials you're already attached to. So... I'm scheduling and pre-posting and pre-scheduling feels like months in advance just for a single interview Yeah, to, to Facebook, Instagram, 
TikTok, YouTube, whatever, Blue Sky, whatever else is out there these days. And it's just, it feels like I'm like going under. <laughs> as I'm oh, doing yes, yes. Yeah, we uh, currently have like direct integrations with like the major social apps where you can just publish the content directly. One thing that we do that's somewhat unique is we allow you to link, like for LinkedIn, you can link your organization and your personal account. So if like you're managing this for a company, people can post to the individual account or you can basically give them access and say, hey, we'd love you to post personally because everything gets a lot further reach. So you could have like the C-suite posting from a catalog of video content directly created from Braid. And that's pretty powerful. Scheduling aspect of that, that's on near-term features should be this quarter where basically... You can build your calendar within here. Is there something that you're excited about that you haven't talked about that you just, you're just like really chomping at the bit to, to get out there? I am really, really excited about those derivative asset features. I think that's like a groundbreaking thing that we're going to be able to do for people. As a small company, I try to run a lot of our content as well. And it's, it's so much work to actually create all of this stuff. Even if you are using AI, it still can feel like a burden to just get this stuff kind of loaded. So this is going to be a pretty huge time saver for people to just be able to get a huge volume of content that's poignant, relevant, features the perspectives you want. You want your clients talking about you. You want to engage with your audience. Like imagine if you could ask your audience a question and have them respond. Now you've got video content. You've got text content for the website. You've got everything ready to go. It, it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. What's an example of derivative content yeah, we say video first, derivative is text, image, audio, right? So basically being able to start with that video asset and then have it create those derivative assets. So you can get your blog copy, get your podcast episode, get your image carousels, all from clicking a button. All right, let's dive into the live demo aspect of this here. Here's a quick demo of Braid. Um, we make it really easy to source, record, and edit and publish primarily your video content. But what you'll see here is when you log in, you're gonna see a lot of me because this is my account and I use the product all the time. You've got a list of your recent braids which act as a container for these responses that you collect. Each braid has a prompt. So the prompt is what uh, you are asking your audience or you, what you're asking your clients or what you're asking your team to respond to. So you could say, how do you interact with your audience, a response length that's, you can get up to five minutes now. So you basically say, how long do you want people to respond? Access is like across your organization, who's going to be able to work with this content. You can include a video greeting. So everyone who clicks the link will see you asking them this question. So I can say, Hey everyone, I just want to hear how you're interacting with your audience right now. Send me a quick 30 second video response and I'll work it into the upcoming episode. And so then when they click through and actually see this braid prompt, this video will play and it kind of personalizes it and allows you to give a little bit further instruction. And uh, the last thing is kind of cool. That's replies visible. That's like, do you want your, who's ever got this link to be able to see what other people have said and be able to respond to them with video. So that may, allows you to kind of create more question, response, reaction, answer, more conversational style content through this protocol, or like disabling it for testimonials, just like, hey, send me a response. You can't see what everyone else has said. 
And then when you create a new one of these, you've got your link and you've got your QR code, right? And the QR code, like I said, is really, really popular for live events, trade shows, places where people are trying to collect content directly from an event floor and use that content for things like follow-up, outreach, or just their marketing materials, or the link itself. You can share it on social, you can send it in an email, you can put it in a text message, however you think is going to get the best sort of responses from people. This is our upcoming release environment. From here, you've got some more additional options, like this is the ability to create some reminders, like I was talking about. So who do you want to get this link? What frequency do you want them to receive it with? What message do you want it to say? And basically taking that burden of collecting these responses off of you as the braid creator. And then, yeah, once this uh, you've got this link, you just click in. Whoever sees it, they'll see the question. How do you interact with your audience? Say next. Hey, everyone. I just want to hear how you're interacting with your audience right now. Send me a quick 30-second video response, and I'll work it into the upcoming episode. So I can just respond real quickly. Say, I interact with my audience using Braid. Obviously, I made Braid. <laughs> um, and then these responses come in. You can play it back, do as many takes as you want, or just click upload. And it'll ask you for a little bit of contact information from the person so you know who sent it in. And then once this processes, it'll be available to me to use in my clips, etc. Looks like it just finished processing. So this is my greeting. This is the response. If I click into the response, we generate the transcription immediately for you. I can edit this individual response, like just trimming white space or launch like a full video editor on it. All of the edits get version controlled. So I can, and like I said, we've got these brand assets ready to go. So I can basically make a quick branded asset um, that'll create a new version of this. And then if I wanna basically add all these responses to a clip, I can take each of these responses, add them to a clip, and that's going to basically create that combined asset, right? So imagine you've got like 20 different people that responded. Now you can create a short clip that's got 20 reactions to that prompt ready to go. Again, you can change uh, aspect ratios, like create it for LinkedIn and Twitter, do better with like uh, one by one um, YouTube. You can do landscape type video. You just got to make sure you get it right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the clip creation experience. Any any kind of questions? I've taken through that really quickly. I mean, you showed the user interface, which was amazing. The real time collaboration that was a, a nice section right there as well. The editing seems a lot lot nicer. I, I think the only thing would be a time factor would be creating your assets originally just to get yourself prepared and ready. But once you have them, I mean, they're so interchangeable. It's it's great to see. Yeah, and each of these responses is like I said, you can publish it, take it to to Twitter, you can link personal or business accounts, LinkedIn, kind of wherever you want to take it. And it makes it really kind of quick and easy to publish this type of content. You can do that with the raw responses as well. So if I came in here, I can publish this anywhere. 
like I said, all the edits are version controlled. If I wanted to restore a version, it's going to get rid of that edit. A lot of really powerful stuff, like where we're actually taking this product to, like I mentioned, some of the translation features. If I come in here and I actually wanted to translate the transcript and say, uh, give me this in, I don't know, name a language. Chinese. Let's Let's do it. And uh, so it'll tr actually transcribe this transcript for me. And then if I come in here and go in, it'll say, I'm sure that's entirely accurate. <laughs> I don't know. We, we have actually stressed us a lot of them, a lot of the different languages that we're supporting. If there is something wrong with it, you can come in and edit however you see fit. But basically, yeah, we support pretty much every language you could ever want out of the box here and uh, making it really easy to kind of source content from around the world, regardless of locality and regardless of language that you can work into your content, which I think actually for podcasters is pretty powerful because podcasting more than a lot of other mediums has insane global reach. Like a lot of podcast hosts, they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm actually massive in South Africa for some reason. <laughs> and it's true. So basically regardless of what language they want to respond to and you can actually work with the content. I did a, a poll recently regarding the show and I basically said, how can I make the show better? Using Braid, I think would be a great way to get that interactivity as well too. But I did a, a basic Google Forms poll. So how yeah. can I make this better? And the, a lot of the responses were, well, English is great, but you need to have more languages. You need to have more options for those that are not primarily English speaking countries. I'm like, you're right. I agree. This this is something I need to do. So I think this would be a wonderful addition to that. Yeah, definitely. And like we've seen, you know, a lot of big creators will just launch like entire channels on YouTube that are like their Spanish language channel, and it'll do extraordinarily well for them and then be another monetization point. Mr. Beast definitely did that. <laughs> That's That was who I was thinking of. Yeah, the QR code. I mean, like for uh, live streams too, if you do live streaming or webinars as an audience engagement, putting the QR code up, letting people respond during the live stream so they can actually send you something more than just like a text chat that you can interact with. And we actually, that's why we actually built this sort of playback feature so you can actually play the responses if you were sharing your screen. Maybe it can show when this got more responses, but. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can actually like tick your way through each of these. See a lot of Mike, but uh, does that make some sense? That's really great to see. And the fact that you can see the responses on the left of those videos is really helpful. Like yeah. shows your interactivity and engagement. I'm pretty proud of this, honestly. And I, like I said, we built this with podcasters first. A lot of what you're seeing is through conversations with podcasters and like what's going to actually help them get their content out the door a lot more quickly. And our thought was if we could build a great tool for them, for businesses that don't aren't great content creation machines, they're going to be able to adopt this for individuals as well. Like we want, we've had people want to use this for like a birthday solution where they just collect responses for somebody's birthday and say like everyone says happy birthday which you know it's not what we built it for but go nuts you know yeah, it's an it's a different form of engagement <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the one thing that i am curious about is is analytic to see if something is working or something isn't does braid have analytics or performance analytics regarding either individual clips or maybe on an average is there anything like that so one of the things we do have um 
for the individual responses, we have like a sentiment score that we're going to be introducing that sort of grades like how people felt about what you were responding with. But in terms of the analytics and integrations on social, like that's a good call out. And basically that's probably the last piece of this being a really, really all in one solution that can supplant like, you know, some things, some of these other scheduling tools. So once we've got a scheduling tool on top of it, just even showing some analytics about impressions and like count, et cetera, that full suite of services. And then basically you've got our ability to kind of crowdsource content, our ability to edit and publish content, plus the analytics on top of it. It's sort of what else could you possibly want, honestly? With a scheduling calendar showing uh, where your your questions are being posted to and then the responses you're getting back from them would be an interesting tracking uh, aspect in terms of Oh, I'm getting more interaction on this question on Instagram for some reason compared to say LinkedIn or YouTube or Twitter is actually giving me more interaction for the exact same question. A lot of great information there. There's a, it's very easy to use from what it looks like. You know, the fact that you can set your time for your questions, you can set the time for your responses, you can edit everything together in one place. That's all we ever want. And and I and we talked about it earlier where CapCut which is a great short form editing tool. This has, and I'm not saying it is, but this has similar aspects to it where I could see Bray taking over that space when it comes to the flexibility because the fact that you have every language instead of say the six that that other software has is a huge addition to the flexibility and use of this uh, program. It's just amazing now what we're able to do now. A lot of what we had talked about even when we had first started first started development on this about two years ago. And we sat in a room with like our features and some of it was like, okay, that's like a nice to have, but that would take us a decade to build. And now you can just do this translation stuff with the AI innovations that we've experienced. It's available to us in a way that it, there was no way it was even two years ago. It's really powerful. How's the accuracy on that? Is there a percentage roughly? So we run by most of the languages and like actually had the general sense is it's 90% of the time, it's like good enough. And there's some colloquialism that it's just not capturing, but that's where you could go in and make the edits if you wanted. But if you put it on there, like a native speaker would understand the point. They just maybe wouldn't phrase it that way. That level of effort, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> right? no, that, that's amazing. That's, that is really good. And look, this is a wonderful piece of software. I definitely can see use in it. I definitely see the, the flexibility of it. Now getting me to think more about how could I use it or how can I use it, in, not even in a, a live setting. Like I think a live stream would be amazing as that extra piece of content, but also for pre-recorded stuff like this. The possibilities are, are endless, more so in my mind than say an AI could come. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's definitely like a lot of very cool stuff you can do with it. But we approach most conversations that we have with anyone about, hey, tell us about what you're doing. Probably a way to, to do this, to apply our software, yeah. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who was that for you? Well, that's, that's a big question. Like from day zero, I have to talk about my father. He's always been a huge inspiration for me and just like a great guide. We come from a pretty entrepreneurial family. My grandfather was a business owner. My dad was a physician, but he actually like started a practice on his own. So we're, we're sort of entrepreneurial in nature. And when we think about like what you should do with your life, what you should do with your career, the first thought is like, always do it for yourself. Like, how are you going to do this for yourself? That's a conversation. And then with this business in particular, I worked 
for a serial entrepreneur in another venture. His name was Jerry Zoldin. And he's always given me some of the most, the best advice along the way. We try to grab coffee at least like every other month, at least once a month. You know, as you go through any sort of entrepreneurial undertaking, anyone who's kind of been there before from sort of the earliest stages of it, this is like an idea to this is something that's working to this is something that people see enough value for to reach into their wallets and pay for has been there before and can help guide you along the way. Like if you can find a mentor like that, it's going to just up your chance of success tenfold. And for him, I'm extremely grateful. From a professional standpoint, you are, of course, a successful entrepreneur and family man as well. So professionally, you are successful in that regard. Do you consider yourself personally successful? No, I think because it's not like... uh, for me, it's not like the job is done, I guess. You know what I mean? I, I feel like we've got a really great opportunity here with Braidit and what we've created and what we're doing. We've got a long way to go to make sure that everyone who could potentially get value out of this product is, and we're getting it in front of them. I think we're on a path to get there. But, you know, professionally, a lot of what I see as this being a successful business, a successful undertaking is just sort of growing the amount of people that are that see the value in what we're doing and are able to get the value out of the product. Yeah. The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failures? I've had so much failure in my life as a entrepreneur that uh, I think learning how to deal with failure is part of any success that I've had. My personal way of dealing with it is to make sure that you do let it hurt. Because if you set out with a goal and you don't achieve that goal, you should not be happy about it. I think a lot of people say like a failure is great, whatever. It, it's not like I think it, it should hurt, but I don't think that should stop you from keeping on going. So let it hurt. Feel that in the moment. Keep on going. Look for the lesson. Make sure it's an opportunity for improvement. But like, don't let any of it get in the way of what you want to do. You've got to just be tenacious and relentless and have the grit to get through every setback. Like if you're going to do an entrepreneur, you're going to do startups, especially tech startups every day. You're not going to go by, have a day go by where you don't have some sort of setback or failure and your just ability to stomach them, continue to keep going and turn them into lessons and improvements. That's why we have the product we have today that came through every single like Every little bug, every little bit of feedback, every little bit of negative kind of, hey, I wish it did this. Why isn't it doing that? Or this went wrong for me. That's how it gets good. And you need to be willing to take, you can't build good software in a vacuum. You have to have people use it, have to have people beat it up, have to have people tell you what's not working. All the QA in the world's not going to stand up to production users. So you need to be able to take that feedback, take those failures early on and work them in quickly and turn those into successes. And that's kind of the same way you have to live the rest of your life. You know, take the failure, learn from it, grow, make it better. The younger generation is looking at your work and they become inspired to be creative in their own way. And the fact that you have the younger generation with you looking up to you, maybe you're inspiring them down a creative path in some way, shape or form. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? Wow. You know, I think being willing to take risks and being willing to look silly and foolish and fail, improve as a result of it. Like that's how you get to be any sort of success and just the 
willingness to do that sort of publicly and let people see the process, I think is inspiring. And I think what this younger generation, you know, the way they are really great on social media, are really do embrace video content as a way to do it. I think it humanizes a lot of that process. And I think that their ability to, if they do take an entrepreneurial journey, publish it publicly, show what they're going through, will be inspiring for those who follow them. Well, Mike, I do hate to say it, but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. Well, thank you so much for showing us Brave and it's all in all its glory. It's amazing. Oh yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, and uh, glad you're glad you see the value. And anyone else who wants to uh, see it, just head to our website, uh, braided.com, or just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. I'll provide an affiliate link as well for Two Geeks Talking to to uh, get connected this way as well because I I see the value in it. I got to thank Rena Friedman Watts for putting us in touch. She's an amazing oh, yeah, for person sure. and. Thanks again. This has really opened my eyes and hopefully it will open a lot of other creative eyes to this amazing product. Well, like I said, that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. You can, of course, find this interview at twogeekstalking.com. That's T-W-O or T-G-T Media. Website's going through a revamp, so go to our YouTube channel. That's a lot more updated, which is youtube.com forward slash T-G-T Media. The podcast is back after 12 or so years. You can get that at twogeekstalking.podbean.com or search for Two Geeks Talking wherever you get your podcasts. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on Two Geeks Talking.